There we go. Okay, good to go? Yes. Okay. Okay. Ready? Well, who does that? Okay. Okay. I do that. I know, but I feel like it's also from... Oh, is it from Family Guy? No. Uh, yeah, I think it's the old guy. <laughs> I never guy. watched Family Guy. What? Oh, no, I, I hate Family it. Guy. I think it's so stupid. I know. That's why I love it. I hate dumb comedy. You know oh, this. I love dumb I hate, comedy. I hate Adam Sandler. I hate Will Ferrell. I hate Family Guy. I don't like The Simpsons. Oh, like, yeah. I don't like dumb comedy. Shut your mouth. <laughs> King of the Hill. <laughs> Let me keep going. Those are those are my uh, all my digital parents growing up. I, I know, love and I don't like any of those them. shows. It taught me so much about pop culture. Hate it so much. Hate all of it. Even now, I I'll still I still watch this and then because hell yeah, it's still going strong. And they're all pop culture references, yeah. and that's why I love it. Anyway, South Park. Oh, that's one I never got into. Um, let me see. Who else do I not like? Except for I would 100% go watch the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I don't think that's... that's South Park. It's the South Park creators. Yes. But it's not South Park. Uh, Same funny. Same but not. I really don't like... I don't like dumb cartoons. Like, I don't like dumb cartoon comedies and I don't like... Dumb adult male comedy. Like, I don't like... (laughs) Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay? I don't like grown men acting like children. Hmm. But they're cartoons. I don't like grown women acting like children either, but I feel like men do it more. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm not... Yeah. Like, Elf. I love Elf. Step Brothers. You don't like Step Brothers? No. Grown Ups. Don't like any of it. I love all those. Hate all of it. But this is why we're here. Because we can have different opinions and watch different things, bring different things to the yeah. table. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for, for dumb stuff. So I feel like Let's of the see. things we have in common, true crime might be one of the most prevalent. Yeah. Yes. And even then, when it comes to true crime, we don't always have the same taste in true crime. Um. Like, for example, the thing about Pam. I love it. You don't. Or the, what was it, the other one that you didn't like? Someone just asked about it in Murder Lovers. Um, oh, uh, the girl from Plainville. Yes. Didn't like that. I like it. But I liked I Love You Now Die, the documentary version of yeah. that story. Yeah. I think you like more the 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 factual stuff like not the mm-hmm. romanticized or you know movie fictionalized type of things. yeah yeah like there's a scene in the girl from Plainville where she's like uh trying to imitate was it High School Musical or something yep. like no, that Glee. She's, she's singing to herself in the mirror and I'm like ugh I hate yeah. I hate I hate scenes that are plugged into things that first of all have no factual basis especially if they're supposed to be about a true story. We'll do the yeah. intro here in a minute. Especially if they're supposed to be about a true story. <laughs> we'll get um, to it. I promise. But also just like for, like, I don't, there's no purpose behind it. Like, it's supposed to show mm. her as being, like, delusional. Well, that would be the purpose, though, right? I mean, it's showing it's you so how. But it's so raspy. Like, but it's showing you how disconnected she is and how also she is using what she watches as and she tries to bring that into her own world so how she tries to you know make her world 
emulate what she's watching. But then, like, tell the story. Like, I, the thing is, is, like, there's nothing that says that she stood in front of the mirror and actually sang Glee in real life. So, like. No, but what, I mean, and see how I view it is from, like, an artistic perspective. They're showing that she is trying to fake these emotions by doing what she sees on TV. So she's yeah. trying to fake those emotions because what they show and what we know is that she is very like straight faced. Yeah. She wasn't like outwardly crying or showing emotions. So a moment like that, at least in, in this show or whatever, to me, it just represents a little insight about how she's trying to yeah. fake these emotions and like gather sympathy. Yeah. So... I feel like I'm much harder to please with things, though. Oh, for 100%. sure. 100%. You don't have Here's to tell me that. <laughs> Here's the thing. I almost never make a recommendation that people don't like. I feel like I'm yeah. very on the nose with things. Like, if yes. I like it, vast majority will. Yeah. And for me, it's like, there I are, love it. You, Let me tell you yeah, all about it. Yeah, and I'm like, it. don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm much harder to please. Yeah. You but the things are. I do like, I feel like I am very on the nose with my recommendations. Yeah. That's because I, you've thought it all the way through. Yes. If it's going to please the yes. masses, it's well done. Yeah. And for me, it's like, give it a shot. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, try it out. What's it? What, what, what kind of time is this going to waste? And I'm like, I have no time to waste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, intro. Let's, in, okay. let's start. <laughs> hey, murder lovers. <laughs> My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to all of our reviews plus <laughs> Stranger, Stranger Danger, Danger, a true crime podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, so now Don't you to the dare case. cut that out of the beginning. No, and put no, it at no. The end. I'm just going to leave it on. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're, we're going to get straight to the case. We just had, uh, I don't know how this is all going to come out, but we just recorded something else that loosened us up. So um, we're in a chatty mood. We're, we are in a chatty mood, which is good for you because I think um, this there's a lot to talk about in this next case. So we're going to get straight to it. This is going to take us over to India. And I think we've covered a couple Indian Indian cases before, mm-hmm. and just like any other judicial system, other than I mean, we know the U.S.'s system, right? Yep, I would say fairly well. Um, but I think going outside of our country and and visiting or researching cases and how they're handled always I have intrigues many questions. me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just because, well. It might be an American thing that we think, well, why doesn't everyone do it like us? Or, mm-hmm. you know, why don't they have these systems in place? So there's that'll drive also, a lot of the questions. Our our system is much newer than a lot of these other countries. Yes. Like our because our country is newer. Yes. I think some some of the systems are built on centuries old we've learned from other people's mistakes absolutely and not saying that we don't have our own oh because we got our own issues we got plenty we have a lot of issues too but um some of the things that you just think well shit isn't that like one of the first things you would think of that's what this case will make you think of a lot Mm -hmm. so this is the case of arushi talwar and I first found this as a documentary on HBO. It's called Behind Closed Doors. It's a two-part documentary. And it was a case that sensationalized India 
Um, it was very, very uh, much a trial done by media kind of thing. Um, and I'll explain that. why yeah. um, it was so um, Everyone knows covered. How I feel about it was those. so covered. Yeah. Right. So Arushi Talwar was a beautiful, bright, you know, young woman. She was 13 years old um, or kid. So 13 years old. Um, she did dance. She had friends, you know, because of her dance class. She was a really good student. Her parents, uh, Rajesh Talwar and Nupur, Rajesh is the dad, Nupur is the mom. They were both dentists. And her uh, grandfather, I did a little more digging into him. He was one of the first um, or greatest cardiovascular surgeons that India has seen. Did work at a lot of, you know, uh, prominent hospitals and everything. So for their family, they were very solid, a upper middle class family. Um, not saying that they lived behind, uh, you know, golden gates or anything, but for where they lived and everything they had, they, they lived well. Okay. So she was an only child. And at this point she was nine days away from her 14th birthday. So oh. she leading up to this, she had plans on, um, having a party with friends at her house, having a get-together. One of her friends was even um, talking about coming over and spending the night that weekend. Her parents are going to be away. So um, they had this whole thing planned about a party a couple, like a week away from when this happened. The Tawar family, like I said, was upper middle class. So I don't want to, uh, I guess, sound tactless with saying this, but this is how every thing that reports on this calls them it's they had domestic help in the house okay. a servant um that's what everyone you know calls yeah. it that position so it was a live-in help um his name was hemraj and he did cooking cleaning clothes any domestic duties both of the parents were um you know doctors so they were away from the house a lot and so they relied on him to keep the house going. Mm -hmm. And he'd been there for some time now. And from all the accounts of everyone in the house, Hemraj was kind of a fly on the wall kind of thing. It wasn't someone that you noticed his presence in the room. If a friend or friends came over for dinner or even for the family, he would just come, put their dinner down, walk away, come back, clear the dishes, do the dishes, etc. So it wasn't um, a... There wasn't much of a personal relationship mm -hmm. with him. It was very much a job relationship okay. with Hemraj, even though he did have a room inside the house. Um, and that was just to facilitate him being there at any time that he was needed. Okay. Okay. So on May 15th of 2008, Arushi went to school. The mother picked her up and brought her back home. Um, left her there, and then she went back to work to um, finish up her appointments for the day. The dad, same thing. He was uh, he wasn't home till later that evening, around eight thirty. You know, dealing with patients all day long. Um, the dads, the the dad got home with their driver because he had a driver, and um, they had dinner that night. So Hemraj served them dinner. Everything was 
nice and normal. That day was also the day that the mom received a delivery, which was her present for her 14th birthday coming up. And the mom couldn't wait to give her the present. And she convinced the dad to give her to her early. So they got her a digital camera. So 2008, this is a nice little, you know, Digital camera from 2008. That's all I can yep. say. So I can practically see it in my head. Yes. It probably pink. <laughs> uh, it w- well, everyone depicts it as blue, but okay. let's just imagine it as it's pink. It's a color. Probably. Yeah. Right. So uh, super excited. Young 13-year-old kid, about to be 14, gets a digital camera. So what they do, what she does is, of course, snap some pictures right away. So she snaps some pictures of herself, you know, a couple selfies, and then she also snaps a couple pictures of her parents while they're at the dining at the dining room table. Um, she's just trying out her new camera. So everything's normal up to then. And the mom said that around like 9:30, everyone goes to the respective rooms. In Arushi's room is where the internet router is. And the dad still had some work to do. Um, on his computer, he was going to stay up and answer emails. He was also going to check on some stocks that he had. And then he was also expecting a phone call from someone in Chicago from the American Dental Association. So he was staying up a little bit later because of the time difference of when that person could call him. So the mom went into Arushi's room, which it was a kind of door that locks behind itself. Mm -hmm. So once it's shut, it's locked. So she said she went into the room, turned on the router, and went back to her master bedroom with her husband. And so I'm going to fast forward to the morning of May 16th. So in the morning of May 16th, there is the maid that comes knocking at 6 o'clock in the morning. Her name is Barty. She She rings the doorbell. And I have to set up the scene for you because this is one of the most crucial pieces of evidence or information that you need to know in order to understand this case. And this is also, I think, why the title of the documentary is called Behind Closed Doors. So at least for the apartment complex that they lived in, the way that the house is set up is that there's a door to the outside that's an iron type mesh gate. Okay. Okay. And then you go through a little bit of a hall. So maybe like three Mm -hmm. doors width. And then there's another iron gate and then the wood door. Okay. Okay. Got it. So between the two iron gates, there's a door for Hemraj's room. That's for him to easy easy access in and out so that if he needed to leave without the... He wouldn't wake up the whole house. He wouldn't wake up the whole house. And there's also from Hemraj's room, there's another door to the inside of the house. Okay, so lots of doors. Yeah, got it. (laughs) And a lot of them automatically lock as they get shut. Fancy. Um, And the iron gate, so Barty is ringing the doorbell. She doesn't get an answer. She said it wasn't completely unusual to not get an answer because she knew that these people worked into really late, you know, really late hours Mm -hmm. that they would sleep in a little bit. So she rung it again. No answer. Rung it for a third time. And finally, um, Nippur, the mom, opened the door and the first iron gate and couldn't open the door to the outside, the iron gate to the outside, because it was locked from the outside, which was odd. Mm-hmm. And she said that, and so Barty said, okay, meet me outside, throw me the key off the balcony, 
and then I'll lock it from unlock it from the outside and come and let myself in. So she said she went outside. The mom went upstairs and dropped the key down to her so she could let herself in through the iron gate. And from the time that Barty got the key and let herself in through the front door, about two minutes passed. She's in no rush at this point to get into the house. Right. And, you know, walking outside. There's no back reason in. to be. No reason to be rushed at this point. And Barty said that by the time she let herself in through, you know, through all three doors, mom Napur is belligerently crying. But she wasn't. But she wasn't. Okay. So apparently in the time that she dropped off the key from the balcony to Barty and Barty walked in, those two minutes, mom had come back inside and discovered that Arushi was in her bedroom completely laying on a pool of her own blood with a blanket laying on top of her. So interesting. 13-year-old daughter is discovered dead in her own bedroom. It's just you're going to get to it, I yep. know, but it's odd that she would drop off the key and then go to her daughter's bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. there's a lot of odds okay. happening here. So she walks in and at this point now it's hectic in the household, mm-hmm. right? Mom is crying, daughter's dead in the bedroom, and dad is in there, he says that he she walks in to the dad walking in, taking the blanket off to seeing his daughter, and everyone's crying, yelling, and apparently the only thing that the mom can get out is, Hemraj did this to my daughter, Hemraj did this to my daughter. Hemraj is not in the house. So, what happens at that point, why, I don't know, <laughs> but a couple neighbors come over. Oh, okay. And then they tell Barty to go downstairs and let the guards know to call the police. I don't know why they didn't call the police. We know he has phones. Even Arushi had her own phone. Um, so there were phones in the household. Uh, and maybe they were just not in the right frame of mind to, like, pick up a phone and call themselves. But they called their neighbors. Uh, I think it was just the commotion that got the neighbors to come over. So the police were called. By the time that the police arrived, the dad's brother, so Arushi's uncle, had already come over. At this point, by the time the police arrived, there was a good six or seven people in the household besides dead Arushi. And besides the police. Good. Good preservation of the crime scene. Exactly. Right off the bat, yeah, there is no, there's no red tape. There's yeah. like, there is no preservation of anything at this point, and obviously it's a bloody mess. Yeah. Um. How? So, yep. <laughs> so, okay. so what they discover is that Arushi has a has some trauma to her forehead, okay. and that's no more than about two inches wide, and then her throat is slit cleanly there's no struggle marks nothing how do you know that was what i was gonna ask oh because i know you a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and so at that point um the police are there they have a dead 13 year old six o'clock in the morning by 6 45 there's all kinds of mess happening because there's so many people besides the police in this in this house why i don't know the room where she's at Rushi's room there's nothing disturbed there doesn't seem to be any kind of struggle and so they 
you know, at this point, the dad is telling them, you need to find Hamraj, uh, Imraj, sorry, you need to find Imraj. He's the one that did this. He's the help of the house. He must have had some kind of vendetta against us. He doesn't give any explanation, but says, you need to, you need to, like, start looking for him. So, of course, the police now have in their hands a dead 13-year-old, a distraught parent, and they're saying, we have this person who's a living person, and he's missing, too. He must have done this. Right. Mind you, the doors were all closed, but that's, that's, but we'll get back to that. So, the police right away bolo for hemorrhage every everywhere you know they start going they go and knock on his family store they go um and get his son-in-law into the police station they are hammering him about where is he you must know where he's at if you don't cooperate you're going to be seen as you're helping you know this person escape because he obviously did this like literally no other suspect so they set their you know they set their sights on hemorrhage Mm -hmm. there's no getting them out of this now, things develop really quickly at this point. The body of Arushi is taken into the morgue. Okay. They won't... They, the morgue, the... Uh, this is so weird. Um, they, they're they supposedly... I don't know if it's um, uh, fictionalized images or not, but um, the uncle who follows the police to the morgue because they're doing an autopsy right away um says that the place was just filthy the conditions were not good there was no refrigerator um so while they were at the house for the first couple of hours they put her on some ice to try and preserve any kind of mm-hmm. evidence or preserve her body so it just didn't start to decompose so when they took her into the morgue they did um uh, they did the examination and everything and right away same day because this happened so early in the day they presented the body back to the parents and the parents were going to wow. a river a couple hours away um in order to do the last rites for her um and yeah it happens really really what? really quickly yeah i know do not tell me they dumped that body in the river no they they burned her oh god yeah. And then uh, I believe spread her ashes in the river. It, it's a cultural thing for them. And it's like where they put them in the boat and light it on fire and then it goes no, out there. No, and... it's not like a Viking ritual um, or burial. I'm so fun fact. I'm hella Viking. Like my, <laughs> we've done our DNA thing. I have so much Viking really? blood in me. It's unbelievable. Ooh. Jordan even has a full arm piece. My brother has a yeah. full Viking arm piece because we're oh, so Viking. Cool. I had no idea. We're so Viking. I was like, suddenly I'm understanding myself a little bit more. Um. So no, I I don't know exactly. I I know there's a a name for the the. But they ceremony that they have the same day. Yeah, so same day. Mm -hmm. How many hours in the day are there? Because that's too many for me. So that's part of why this is so rushed and so freaking botched, right? Um, And then by the end of the day, there's so much media because obviously it it goes and you know everyone starts telling everyone. Um, There's hundreds of people outside their house, and believe it or not walking into the house 
through the house. Oh my gosh. Um, and touching everything, like as if there was not just a and freaking this is crime. 2008. This is 2008. So at this point, by the end of the day, they're, everyone's looking for hemorrhage. And so um, it's quickly become a high profile case because the family is upper class and because now they're looking for the help of the house, which Mm -hmm. is lower class. So now there's this class divide of how could this lower class turn into the upper class and this upper class is saying, of course, the lower class person did this to our family, et cetera, et cetera. So now you've got, from what I understand, the Indian media pitted against the English media in India because they've each like kind of picked their sides of who they're defending on this. Interesting. Um, which is the really interesting part of this case. So really quickly. So we're still on the same day. <laughs> um, and then the next day, there is a you know chief of police assigned to the case, uh, or some uh, retired chief of police that comes over and because it's so high profile. He's like, I want to help. He had no credentials to be in there because he was retired. He had nothing to do with the police at this point. Oh, he's not the active chief. No. <laughs> so <laughs> he just what? comes in and he's like, check out my old badge. <laughs> Don't mind the expiration date. I'm coming in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he comes in. Um, and the day before, there was blood up the banisters leading up to the terrace of the house. Yeah. And like, no one decided to go and check through the roof access what was up there or what was the blood leading up to there the police that were on the scene day one put it off to oh someone tried to escape through the terrace but the door is locked leading through the roof to the so roof bother to unlock so it. everyone asked hey where's the key and everyone kept passing off the buck like oh we don't know where the key is we don't know where the key is or this person has it this person has it the dad kept saying the mom has it, the mom has it, you know, the dad, etc. So no one knew where the freaking key was. So day two, when this retired police chief comes through, he's like, has anyone looked into this blood that's leading up the banisters up to the roof access? And so, you know, the, the police that were there the before, they're like, no, we tried, but there was no key. So we didn't bother. We're looking for the guy anyway. So he obviously didn't go through the roof because it's locked. So there's clear palm prints and everything. They did pull some prints, um, but they were so badly pulled that it just looks like they're all smudged. They're terrible pulls. So so upset. And then a lot of the prints that were pulled were for people that were there that day. Because there was people in and out touching everything and people were holding the handlebars up to this roof access. So this chief of police says like, nope, I'm going to, I say, let's knock down the lock from this roof access. So agreed. So they knocked it open and what they find is terrifying. What they find is hemorrhage. Dead. Dead. Yeah, I knew it. I knew. I was like, he's going to be dead behind that door. So this is the roof. This is the roof of the Talwar's house. What they find, it is this bloody mess. He has also been um, hit upside the head with something, but his is on the back of the head and his throat is completely slit to his spine. (gasps) Yeah. And then there's a 
trail of blood because from wherever he was initially struck, he was completely, he was dragged at that point, obviously with the throat injuries at that point where he was finally left to die. And that's where, you know, the majority of the blood and everything was at this point, he'd been there for a full day and a half. So he was already starting to decompose really badly. Out in the hot. Out in the, oh, yeah. Hot in India May. Sun. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, Is the police were embarrassed. Is that or winter? I'm not sure. Is it always hot in India? I don't know. I think it is. Maybe. Let's pretend. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, day two, the police has already been embarrassed by this ex-chief of police that come, came through and made this huge discovery of something that they blatantly could have looked at the day one um, because they had spent all their resources on trying to find hemorrhage and the dad had even put out a $20,000 reward on any leads leading to hemorrhage. Well, and even if you're not looking for him, it doesn't take a rocket science to go, there's blood leading up to the door. Let's open that door. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hello. Yep. So, interesting fact about day two, when Hemrosh was discovered, at first they just, you know, it's a male. They didn't have anything to identify that it was Hemrosh. They asked Rajesh to come and identify him or the body to see if it was him. And he refused to do that. Is that the dad? That's the dad. So, they had to find Hemrosh's family members to come and identify him. Why would he refuse? So, the media, of course, now has sunk in their hooks because now already was a high profile case it's happening to upper middle class they were trying to pin it on lower class and then now they have this embarrassing story about the police that they obviously did not secure the scene and did not do their job well and they were wasting resources on something else so by day three or four um because there was no leads on what had happened inside the house to both a 13-year-old and this older man. Um, Not funny, but interesting thing happened. There was a journalist who, like, wasn't getting any more traction on the story. There wasn't anything more to, to do. So at this point, he just completely made up a story that he could also smell something rotting in the garage before... And it wasn't until the police heard that on the news that they stormed in again and broke down the lock on the garage trying to see if there was a third body in the garage. There wasn't. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, what if there is? this shows how much the media was dictating what the police were doing and just how much pull the media had on the police and their whole investigation. why have you not searched the garage at this point? Oh my gosh. Like, that's crazy. They should have immediately been like, we already looked in the garage instead of coming back days later and being like, guess we better check that. Yep. So at this point, the police is so embarrassed. And I think, I mean, not I think, I know this had a huge play in like what they did next. So they were, they were showing how incompetent they were. Um, And so at this point, they hodgepodge together a theory of what may have happened that night. Yeah. So based on their injuries and, you know, how they were, how they were killed, they estimated that the time of death was between 12 p.m. and or 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. the morning of the 16th. And the dad, Rajesh, said that he was on the computer 
up until about 10 30 11 o'clock at night and that he went to sleep shortly after but the router so here's the router plays a really important role because we know the mom turned it on before they went to sleep mm -hmm. uh, or before they went to bed because he still had stuff to do on the computer and the router was not super reliable so while he was working on his computer at some point the router stopped working so he didn't have internet so someone someone had to go back into Arushi's room turn it off turn it back on and again this is a locked door mm -hmm. and Arushi's room and the parents room shared a wall so they were right next to each other and the parents say that they didn't hear anything. No struggle, no screaming, nothing. Um, but there's activity on the router, on the internet provider, that there was activity on the computer till 12, 10 a.m. Okay. So that would put him awake at least 10 minutes past the window of when they think she was killed. And it's not just like... He didn't close out of his stuff or whatever. And we don't know. That's where the speculation comes in. That's mm. when the theories come in. Because, like, if I... So, like, I'm thinking of, like, me at work. Like, if I lock my computer, like, my Teams and stuff stays active for 15, sure. 20 minutes. Sure. And I don't close out of everything. So does right. it show that it's active at that point if I don't, like, shut down? Right. If it's pushing information into, yeah. like, an email or something, that's very possible. But at the same time, even let's say your computer stays awake for another 15, 20 minutes if you haven't shut out from everything. It's certainly not 10, 20. Right. But if you just fell asleep and your daughter gets brutally killed in it's the room like next to you, exactly, you're, you've just fallen asleep. It takes you a good 15 minutes to probably fall asleep. So why didn't you hear anything? Um, so at this point, the police throw out this theory that... They had gone to bed and that Rajesh needed to get up and turn the router off and on again to continue his work. And that while he did that, he walked into Arushi's room and saw Arushi and Hemraj in a compromising situation. saying it's an honor killing yes oh my gosh how did you know that i had to look up what honor killing was oh i <laughs> listen i had no idea I they kept exactly mentioning it, it they kept mentioning it as a passion killing or an honor killing and i was like what the hell's i became honor killing? very invested back in the day about learning about sharia law this is mm. obviously not sharia law at all but Honor killings are part of Sharia law. So, like, yeah. I do, I have a general knowledge of what that so is. Yeah. I, so, I had to look it up. And for those of you listening and saying, well, what the hell is it? So, uh, an honor killing, at least the best way that I understand it, is if someone has brought shame or disgrace or could potentially, their actions could bring that to your family, the male figure of the family will take it upon themselves to kill the person who has brought shame to their family. So and often 99% of the time the woman will bring shame to the family yes. and the male 
has to do something about it. Men don't ever shame their family for whatever reason. <laughs> it's only women that shame yeah. their families. And then it's up to either the dad or the oldest son. Oldest male. Yeah. Yeah. To do something about it. Which it's so incredibly sexist and misogynistic. I can't even believe right. it. But right. Yeah. These and are on episodes of like Law and Order SVU. Yeah. So. Right. so. So, at this point, the police is like, it had to have been a passion killing or an honor killing, and they drag Arushi's name through the mud by implying that a 13-year-old was doing or had some sort of other than a father-daughter type relationship with Imraj, which was well into his 50s. Now, what was the police's stance on it if it was an honor killing? Is that still considered against the law? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I looked that up, too. So honor killing is a well-known thing. It's yeah. not it's a cultural thing. Yes. But... It's a cultural thing that a lot of uh, different cultures accept into what happens, but it's not legally Legal. allowed. Okay. Yeah. So um, they booked Rajesh. Okay. They brought him in and they said, it's Rajesh. This is what he, this is what we think he did. We think that, um, so what they found was that what matched the murder weapon or a possible murder weapon to the injury on her forehead, which was a blunt injury and to the back of Hemraj's head was possibly a golf club that had initially been in Hemraj's room. Okay. So one of the theories is that he went into Hemraj's room first. I don't know why. Probably that this is the police's theory at first. Um, grabbed the club be- because he wasn't in his room and then went to his daughter's room, swung at the back of his head, and then went for a second blow and got her forehead. I got, like, very hyped up on the whole honor killing thing that it, t- it took me a minute to remember that this is all just a story that the police is just making up. Yes. So then uh, their theory is that Nippur at that point heard commotion Mm -hmm. and that him and his wife, Nippur, put Hemraj in a blanket and dragged him up to the roof access and then slid his throat up on the roof and then came downstairs and slit Arushi's throat. But what would be the point of taking him up to the roof? I don't know. That's where, I, yeah, okay. So. That's where storytelling goes wrong. <laughs> so at that point, um, Rajesh is booked. And he's going to be charged with this double murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the story has flipped on the media. Like, holy shit, we thought it was, you know, this the help that had done this. It turns out that it's possibly the father and the, you know, the mother is devastated, but doesn't show that devastation on TV. So for the media, for the mass public, it's, it looks like she is not grieving what they expect to, she doesn't look like a grieving mother for what they expect a grieving mother to look like. She's yeah. not crying. Um, she looks very solemn, very, you know, quiet and reserved. She looks like she's a reserved person anyway. So they take this, um, her telling you, you know, I'm devastated. I literally don't, my world just turned upside down without crying as a sign of guilt or that she knows something. Right. 
So they, because it's now even more high profile, because now it's the upper middle class person that they've accused of this, they turn this case over to the CBI, which is India's version of the FBI. Okay. Um, and so it's their investigation bureau. And so they don't pick up where the local police left off. They kind of start all anew. And they go in and they sort of look through the whole scene and everything. And they try to make sense of everything that's happening. They, um, the dad now brings in this other element where he's like, oh, I have this other, uh, the person that was there before Hemraj, his name is Krishna. Um, he's also an old employee of mine at the dental office and, um, he might have been mad at me for something because I apparently I embarrassed him in front of everyone because I made a comment about how he was doing um, dental impressions the day before this happened. So he killed your daughter and your <sighs> Tell me about employee it. because you made so, fun of his dental impressions? The CBI runs with this. Oh, my gosh. See, if I had been handed this case and seen everything that happened, I would have been like, no. No. So... The CBI picks up Krishna. They so apparently it's it's very common for the people who do the same jobs to hang out together. So all the neighbors, domestic people, hang out together, and sometimes they hung out in Hemrash's room and they you know played cards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, oh, I did fail to mention this. There was a bottle of alcohol on the dining room table with both Arushi's and. Hemrosh's blood on it of oh, scotch interesting yes that's interesting so their theory is that after rajesh came went and killed both of them that he sat down and had a glass of scotch dun, dun, dun. okay so <laughs> it's now too late to know if he has any alcohol in his system right yes i'm very upset so much botchiness um, They're like, let's tell more stories instead. But it gets even more interesting. So the CBI starts picking up all these people that they believe could have been in Hemrosh's room and that could have, um, you know, had any kind of vendetta against Rajash. And believe it or not, I did not know this was a thing in India. I don't know why you're still doing this. Um, they kept referring it to as a, as a narco analysis. Do you mm -hmm. know what this is? I was test. like, cool, they're going to test them for drugs. Yeah. Right? No, it's truth serum. No. No, you yes. guys. No. So they inject Krishna, the dental assistant, who the dad is trying to imply, you know, to all this. There's videos out there, and we'll post them, of him under sedation or under the influence of this truth serum being asked if he did this and under the truth serum, um, what do you call this, uh, episode, he supposedly confesses to the crime. So during this quote unquote confession, he said that they were all hanging out him and a couple other friends that were all domestic helps and, um, knew each other from that. Um, Excuse me. Because Krishna was actually the one that referred Hemrosh to the job, to the Tatwars. So he said that they were hanging out and that one thing led to another. Um, well, this is 
what the the CBI is saying is the confession. So we've never we don't seen we the don't conf- see the whole confession. How convenient! So that they were playing cards, they were hanging out, they were drinking, and then one thing led to another as far as conversation, and they talked about Arushi, and that they all walked into Arushi's room, and that they tried to sexually assault her, and that um, they someone uh, slit her throat, and then they had to take out Hemraj too because he had witnessed it, so they took him up to the roof and they killed him there too. I'm like, are you kidding me? None of that makes sense. No. Sure does not. Also, like, not that anyone would know if there was DNA or not because you decided to burn her body in 24 hours. Well, and the... Or 12 the, hours. The confession, apparently he said that they... I'm sorry, that they had gone into Rushi's room, tried to sexually abuse her, and that that wasn't successful, but Hemraj had seen everything, so they took him up to the roof and killed him and then came back down and then killed Arushi. It makes no sense. No sense, because she's found completely um, laying normal. Yeah, not... she just, like, sat in her bed and waited. Right. When her parents are no. right next door. exactly. I think not. So, then at that point, um, now they release the dad. And now this whole investigation is resting on this case of the truth serum and everything like that. Um, They try to take that to court and they realize uh, that they don't have anything to go off of, anything to make this actually believable to take these three people to court on this confession because the confession is not admissible. They did polygraph tests on Rajesh. They did two. They were both non-conclusive or both... um, non-deceptive they did two on the mom too both non-deceptive no no deception detected whatever um but none of that is admissible to court anyway including the the truth serum confession so at this point they have literally no evidence to go off of either for uh rajesh or for the three the three other men so then Another team from the CBI takes over. So now we have three different... Oh, my God. <laughs> three different teams. Throw in the towel. Three different teams. And then their their conclusion is, is that there is not enough evidence to convict anyone of this case. So they're going to close the case. Now, the Talwars put up a fight and they said... Don't close the case. You need to find out who killed our daughter. They are adamant. Do not close the case. Mm -hmm. But unbeknownst to them, even though there wasn't enough evidence to actually bring anyone to trial, the whole case file that was presented to, let's say, their DA to close to their court system, although it didn't say we have enough to charge the Talwars, their findings was everything... Everything was written up to say, although we don't have enough to charge the Talwars, here's what we do have on the Talwars. So here's the theory that we have on them. So because they were so adamant about not closing the case, the court system said, okay, then we're going to go with the case file and the summaries that we have that everything does point to you. So they charged both of the parents. They go through the whole trial. They get life in prison. <gasps> and 
And then... But based on just a story that they just created? Just on the story. Because, and then they made Barty, the maid that came in at 6 yeah. o'clock in the morning, come and testify. Oh and it my was, gosh. And the media is all like pushing this story. Yep. And it's Aye. because of the door situation that when she walked in, there was four people in that household. Two of them are dead. And there's no way in or out other than that front door that was locked. So something must have happened between 12 o'clock midnight to 6 o'clock in that morning where no one else came in. And when you walk in, there's two dead people and two alive. That's so upsetting. So so eventually they appealed. And the court, there's so much outcry from people defending the tall wars that then they were there and acquitted so they were like oh okay so now there is it's this mystery of who done it they will never know they will, they never, will know. never know there are two things went too wrong too fast oh, that you will never so much there will never be enough actual concrete evidence mm-hmm. to convict somebody without a doubt oh yeah no they botched this from second one. The fact that they were letting people in and out, you have to watch this documentary. It is, I like, my brain cannot wrap around this idea of letting civilians walk through a crime scene. Um, it's very John Benet-ish. Yeah, it feels like you know? we're we're too old. We we're too old. We know better at right. this point. Especially like, 2008, you know, we're not yeah. talking about like 1960 or something. You know, when crime well, scene preservation wasn't everybody the best. walked through it and then they disposed of the body immediately. Mhm. Literally immediately. Yeah. Immediately, same day they were having the last rites for her. So there, I mean, evidence wasn't logged correctly or they just, you know, they didn't gather evidence. They didn't even follow up the blood up the stairs, for goodness sake. So yeah. they weren't following up a literal trail of blood. Um, and I think it was And just, what kind of precautions did the law enforcement take when they came into the crime scene? Were they wearing absolutely gloves? Absolutely none. Yeah. Absolutely none. So there was so much information that could have been gathered um, and I don't know if this changed their process moving forward, if they learned anything from it. Um, but in the in the documentary, you can see these this footage of hundreds, hundreds of just nosy people. You know, people gawking at a crime scene. They would. It was just like a revolving door. People were coming in and out, taking a look at the crime scene coming out, taking a look at the crime scene coming out. It was a zoo. It's a zoo. That's insane. The fact, and, and it wasn't until CBI got involved that they actually like red taped everything and didn't let anyone in. But I'm like, at that point, come on now. There's been hundreds upon thousands of people that have walked through there. Right. Everything has been contaminated. So, I don't know. There's there's theories for both sides. Some, you know, sources, parents, it's the parents. And then some sources, it's just like, Ugh, we don't know. So you're either on one end or the other. It's either we don't know, we'll never know, or it's the parents and they got away with it. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. And at some point, I mean, the theories were wild that they were coming up, uh, coming, that they were trying to make up. I mean, at one point they said that 
Uh, Arushi had found out about an affair that the dad was having with a fellow co-worker and that because of that he had to kill her so she wouldn't come out and say that um, and I'm like really that's that's better than just you know getting a divorce or <laughs> really? I mean I don't I don't daughter? know how that works culturally I don't know but it's uh to us no it makes yeah <laughs> no. divorce is definitely Never. the better option yeah so there's so many theories out there, um, and the one, uh, you know, dragging Arushi's name through the mud that she was a 13-year-old daughter having a girl having an affair with a 50-something-year-old man, who everyone said that their relationship was very much father-daughter type relationship, very respectful, um, and, you know, he was, he had been there, they did everything, he did everything for them, and he loved her as a kid, and, you know, so... Her friends even held a march when those allegations came out to try and defend their friend's name just because she's 13 years old. And how how is the media going to, you know, do this to her? So, yeah, I guess uh, it's a mystery one. I don't, we don't often cover ones that are unsolved. I hate unsolved cases. (laughs) And this one's a doozy because it's like, oh, maybe someday. Nope. Unless someone confesses. There will never be a firm answer on that right because it's not like oh you know emraj did this and then went up to the roof and, and someone would need to confess not under the influence oh my gosh the truth serum is i just bonkers yeah not Absolute here to like bonkers. criticize other cultures and countries and their way of doing oh i'll criticize losses, that <laughs> but that truth serum come yeah, on no time to update no Unless it works as well as in the Hunger Games, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this guy is seriously, at least the footage of him under the truth serum, he is asleep. Is that in the Hunger Games or is that Harry Potter? Uh, Hunger Games. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. It's it's not Hunger Games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, um, It's the one with the factions. Divergent? Yes. Yes. I never watched that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also in Harry Potter. Is it? Yeah. I've never watched all the Harry Potters. Oh, that's upsetting. I know. Go (laughs) Neville. (laughs) You're the most underrated character of all time. (laughs) So yeah, that's the case of Arushi Talwar and the mystery behind her and Hemraj's murder. And the stupid... Stupid police work or lack yeah. thereof in this case, Wild. yeah. Especially with something not only so high profile, regardless of who your you know who it it, it was a kid, yeah. Do do right by the kid. Yep. Don't try to do right by the the you know just because of the family and their stature in the community. Do right by the kid, no matter what, and or the person, the victim, the regardless. Victim, yeah. But you know? Yeah. <sighs> Nine well days before her birthday. All right. Good that's job. the case. All righty. Let us know more foreign cases to us. I like exploring and knowing about what the court systems do everywhere else. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Leave us a five star review. Five stars. Five. Five stars. All five. <laughs> We're going to start throwing in five stars in there every so often. If only we could. Here's a five star worthy episode for you. <laughs> Just kidding. 
every single one. Five star worthy. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. You did a really good. Thank you.